Greetings, soul sisters, spiritual brethren, and non-binary siblings. Today's going to be a bonus episode. I want to talk about names, given names and chosen names. So my own legal name, I'm not going to say my full legal name, but Richard Malone. That's the name my parents decided to give me. And honestly, in some regards, I love it. And in some regards, I'm not a big fan. Uh, First off, the name Richard Malone just sounds very generic and very Anglo and very common. And I totally understand from my mother's perspective why she wanted me to have a name like that, because it gives a certain amount of anonymity and familiarity to people that don't know me very well. It gave me a chance to be a bit of a chameleon, which I already had as a mixed race person. But the name on top of that adds another layer of, I guess, protection is a way to put it. Now, in another regard, I, I, I don't really like the name Richard Malone that much because it makes me unoriginal. It makes me too common in certain ways. I like my own uniqueness and I celebrate my own uniqueness. And I don't fault my parents for giving me a name like that. But, you know, like, just for kicks and giggles, I've already looked up. My name's taken in a bunch of different uh trade unions and whatnot you know like there's already a richard malone in actors equity there's already richard malone in the screen actors guild and all that stuff so it's like in certain regards i would have to come up with a unique name going forward which is you know why i do currently go under ricky b malone for this podcast the b is busarat which is my uh, lao family surname so i do have the uniqueness in that regard that i have a name that does convey my heritage if I say my entire name, but I don't always say my entire name. Uh, but what's in a name, right? Uh, you know, we always think of given name, surname. And then in other parts of the world, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, China, uh, sometimes in Vietnam, definitely in Korea and Japan, they have the other naming convention where your surname goes first and your given name goes second. Idea being that your surname represents your lineage and your lineage is the most important thing. So you have the the family name first and then the name that your parents gave you. I appreciate that sentiment too. It, it says a lot about the cultures that use that naming convention. In Lao culture, usually parents choose a name that has some sort of meaning behind it for their children. A very common naming convention in Laos is uh, using a name that incorporates part of a deceased relative's name. So with my own mom, her name was Utani, but her, I think it was great-grandfather was Uta, and then ni is the suffix that means little, but little feminine. So her name meant little feminine version of her great-grandfather. And that's a very common thing in Lao names, that you choose a name that incorporates part of a deceased relative's name. But then in addition to that, Lao parents bestow nicknames upon their children that are not part of their legal name. And sometimes they're humorous. Sometimes they're just wishes. Uh, I've also heard sometimes there's like a superstition where they'll give a nickname to their kid that is the opposite of what they want their kid to have. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is one that's kind of inappropriate. So I don't know if I'm going to say it. <laughs> Hamnoi is a very common uh, loud nickname for boys. If you really want to look up what Hamnoi means, go look it up at your own discretion. <laughs> But that's an example of a, a a nickname that parents give their kids. And I, I do love that la- aspect of Lao culture as well. Uh, 
the nickname that my mom gave to me in Lao was Talo. I don't actually know what that means, and I haven't been able to get a relative to fully translate it. But last names, surnames, they they do have meaning. Usually those meanings are closed off from us and we don't know it unless we go look it up. Uh, you know, there's obvious ones like Johnson, it's son of John, that's easy enough, right? But Malone, I actually had to go look up. It's uh, obviously a Gaelic name, it comes from Ireland, but it means disciples of St. John. Am I a disciple of St. John? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm fairly removed from my irish ancestry and it's not even it's not even half of my ancestry it just happens to be my patrilineal descent goes to one irish immigrant who i guess his ancestors were disciples of saint john i mean i don't even know who saint john stands for but that's a whole other discussion (laughs) and then there are also a lot of uh unique names within the queer community so uh there's drag names and then uh within the ball culture, which was a subculture, mostly started within the 1980s in New York City. You know, watch uh, Paris is Burning, that documentary, if you're interested in looking into ball culture and the beginnings of drag culture. You know, drag queens have names that they choose for themselves. They're practically abandoning who they are in their daily life, and they have this extravagant alter ego in their nightlife. Now, I myself have also done drag, so I do have several nicknames. You know, not just Richard Malone. Plenty of people know me as other things. Uh, My drag name when I did female drag was Venus Dementia. I liked that sentiment. Venus being the goddess of beauty and dementia meaning without mind. So I would joke that Venus Dementia translated to the goddess of beauty just lost her damn mind. (laughs) That's that's silly. Uh, But also, I I used to be a Michael Jackson impersonator, and I had to come up with a stage name for that, and I chose Ricky Dementia, which is still my Instagram handle to this day, Ricky Dementia. Where I came up with Ricky, R-I-K-I, was that my partner is also a Richard. Now, he usually goes by Rick, but we ran into this problem of, like, we had the same name, and it just became easier to have a unique name that I didn't have to worry about, which was where the other spelling of Ricky came from, R-I-K-I. I also wanted a version of my name which wasn't so heavily gendered and wasn't so heavily Anglo. And so I came up with that spelling. I'm not the only person that uses that spelling, but that's how I came up with it, was I wanted a gender neutral and ethnically neutral version of my name. And that's where Ricky comes from. And then by extension became my drag persona as Michael Jackson. That's Ricky dementia was my male alter ego and Venus dementia was my female alter ego. But drag names come from a culture of wanting to abandon who you are in your daily life and celebrate the person that you are underneath. And I've always appreciated that sentiment. I do enjoy the art of drag. I have not performed in six or seven years at this point. But there is a certain amount of freedom that comes with abandoning the name that your parents gave you and celebrating a name that you're choosing for yourself. You also see this in the trans community, that uh, transgender people have the name that they chose for themselves, and then they have the name that their parents give them, which they usually will refer to as their dead name. Dead naming is when you deliberately refer to a trans person by the name that their parents gave them as opposed to the name they chose for themselves. You're basically saying to them, I do not respect who you say you are. I am going to impose who I say you are. 
That's what dead naming is. I guess I should backtrack a little bit. Also within drag culture and ball culture, there's also dynasties. So sometimes you'll see uh, family names that are shared among drag performers. And it's because it's the uh, mentorship. When a certain performer takes a younger performer under their wing, they gift them the family name. There's a lot of that talk about the dynasties in that Paris is Burning documentary that I mentioned. Uh, Now, obviously, in a legal framework, you're usually pretty much beholden to your surname that your parents gave you, unless you go through the trouble of changing your name legally, which, you know, is open to anyone, but you have to have a reason. They're going to ask you, why do you want to change your name? And then we normalize it with women when it comes to heterosexual marriage, that it's normalized that a woman has to change her family name, that she is becoming a part of her husband's family which I understand that sentiment, but it does come from a very patriarchal worldview that we say to women, now that you're married, you're this man's family. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I I love when people break these conventions that we just assume as normal. You know, we, we create the society that we want to. And I don't think we always recognize that. There are certain norms that we just assume are the status quo and always will be and that's not the case even the idea of surnames and family names that was created a few centuries ago it wasn't that unusual in a lot of cultures that you were just referred to as the son of your father or the or the children of your parents uh, there's still countries that do that to this day like in iceland your surname is actually one of your parents' given names with the suffix son or daughter added to it. So, you know, if, you're, if your dad's name is Bjorn in Iceland, if you were male, you would, your surname would be Bjornson. And if you were female, your surname would be Bjorn's daughter. So, you know, the, the ideas that we have in the Western world and, and, I mean, many parts of the world about names... They're arbitrary. They're, they're given to us culturally, and we don't necessarily have to be beholden to that. And I love that in the queer community, we can just get rid of these conventions because they are arbitrary, and we don't have to, we don't have to give in to those standards. I know a same-sex couple, uh, they're, both, they're both women, and they actually created their own last name rather than you know, one partner taking on the last name of the other partner, the two of them combined their two last names and created a new one. Uh, one of the women's last name was King. The other woman's last name was Fields with an S. And then the two of them together became Kingfield. That was their new surname. And I love that. Uh, now, when Rick and I got married, it's happened multiple times. I still get this question to this day sometimes. When Rick and I got married, people would ask, usually me, they would usually ask me, oh, are you going to change your last name to match? And I would just, you know, I'd have to laugh it off and be like, no, we have the same first name. Why would we want the same last name? (laughs) There's already enough confusion that both of our parents gave us the name Richard. So I myself do go by a lot of names and I love that. I have written things. I've used different pen names over the years. Uh, D.B. Malone is probably the most prolific one that I've used. Uh, 
I can't remember all of them at this point. But anyway, I I do find like your parents do choose a name for you when you're born. And usually that name has some sort of meaning to the parents or they just like the sound of it. And that's fine. But if you choose to and want to go by a different name, you're entirely within your right to do that. Now, obviously, from a legal standpoint, there might be limits to that. There are genuine reasons not to change your name legally and genuine reasons to change your name legally. I mean, there's even people that have to put trademarks on their name because their products that they're selling have their name attached to it. And then all of a sudden their name becomes a legal entity that needs to be protected by trademark law. So these ideas that we have about names, they are both institutionalized and both arbitrary. And I've always been one of those people that just recognizes the uh, the silliness of it that I've chosen to go by so many different names. I have people that call me Richard. I have people that call me Ricky. I still have people that call me Venus. I mean, have I performed as Venus on stage anytime recently? No, but do I enjoy being referred to as the goddess of beauty from Roman mythology? Sure. <laughs> Who wouldn't want? Who wouldn't, right? Now, within Buddhism, there also are Dharma names. I've also heard there are Dharma names within yoga as well. So some yoga teachers will also bestow new names upon their their students. So different Buddhist lineages have their own versions of this. Uh, in Theravada Buddhism, which is the orange-robed monks, the monks are going to be given an entirely new name. It's usually in the Pali language. Um, now I know different lineages have different conventions. So sometimes the name is fully unique. Sometimes the name incorporates part of your teacher's name, etc. I mean, even the Dalai Lama, you know, they say his name is Tenzin Gyatso, but that's not the name he was born with. I, I'm not looking it up right this second. I believe Gyatso is the the part of the name that the previous Dalai Lama had that was bestowed upon him. I mean, you can go look this up. I don't remember entirely off the top of my head. Uh, I didn't I didn't research that aspect today. But in different Buddhist lineages, they have the names that are given, uh, usually when someone ordains. So they're either going to be a monk or a priest, and their teacher or someone high up in the lineage, you know, an abbot or a bishop or whatever, is going to bestow upon them a new name. Usually, like I had said earlier, usually the name incorporates one aspect of their teacher's name or lineage master's name, etc. And I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was going to have a Buddhist naming ceremony, which happened on January 8th. And that was Bishop Marvin Harada, who is the head of the Buddhist Churches of America. So that is the American branch I guess, mainland American branch of Jodo Shinshu Honganji Ha. So the Nishi Honganji Temple in Kyoto is the head temple of the Shin Buddhist lineage, at least the one that I follow. There is a sister lineage in Higashi Honganji in Kyoto, but yeah, I go to a Nishi Honganji Temple. And so Bishop Harada is actually the only person in the mainland United States that has the authority to confer Dharma names onto people. 
And he and I have known each other from various virtual events over the past few years. So this was my first time meeting him in person. I had to remind him who I was, but then he immediately actually remembered who I was once I reminded him. And his son is actually also Ricky and also spells it R-I-K-I for entirely different reasons. It's because uh, in the Shin Buddhist sect, Tariki is the recognition that the power to reach enlightenment comes from outside. Tariki means other power or outside power. So Riki, R-I-K-I in Japanese, is the power to achieve enlightenment. So I got to choose in the Buddhist name that I was given one character, and then Bishop Harada got to choose the other one. I thought choosing Riki for myself was a little too on the nose because I've already gone by it. So I chose Nen, meaning mind or contemplation or concentration. And then just ironically, I guess, uh, Bishop Harada ended up choosing the character that I didn't choose. (laughs) So he gave me the name Nenriki. Uh, So it's N-E-N-R-I-K-I. The two characters together then uh, mean he translated it as the power of the Nembutsu. I went ahead and looked up the actual kanji or Chinese script to see what else it meant. So literally, Nen means mind, Riki means power. So it also can translate as mind power. And then I have also seen it used as a secondary translation for psychokinesis or telekinesis. Funnily enough, there's actually a Korean movie that the English translation is psychokinesis, but then the Chinese translation of the Korean name is mind power, Nian Li, which is the same characters as Neiriki. So I guess now I'm a, uh, I guess now I'm telekinetic, huh? No I'm kidding. <laughs> but anyway, I, I appreciate this new name, Nenriki. I mean, it's only going to be used within Buddhist contexts. You know, it's like you will occasionally find published people who have been published authors in Buddhist uh, publications to have a given name, a Dharma name that they use in their writings, specifically their Buddhist writings. Just some examples off the top of my head that I can think of are Angel Kyodo Williams. K-Y-O-D-O, Kyodo is her Dharma name. Uh, Also another one I can think of, the author of American Sutra, which goes over the history of the Japanese internment, the Buddhists in the Japanese internment. His name is Duncan Ryuken Williams. Ryuken is his Dharma name. So now I have this new name, Nenriki. Uh, thankfully it contains Ricky in it already, so I don't really have to change much if I wanted to. Uh, but yeah, I guess I didn't really have any final message today. It's just that names confer meanings upon people. And, you know, whether it's your parents or an institution or a drag mother or even just you yourself, the name has a significance to it. And what's in your name? Something to think about. If you wish to contact me directly or have your question featured in a future episode of the podcast, you can send me an email at tqrpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, tqrpodcast, or my personal Instagram, Ricky Dementia. That's R-I-K-I Dementia. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, signing off. <laughs>